There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Ross Weissman. Ross is the proprietor of Current Meditation, a meditation studio in Phoenix. We had a great conversation that went from the health benefits, both physical and mental, of meditation to what keeps people from trying it to some very easy ways to get started meditating. You can find out more about Ross and Current Meditation at their website, BeCurrent.com, B-E-C-U-R-R-E-N-T.com, and I definitely encourage you to check it out. Thanks as always for listening. Remember to tell a friend. That's enough about that. Let's go. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Ross Weissman, the proprietor of Current Meditation. How are you, sir? Very good. Centauri, did you get a workout? <laughs> Were you able to get a workout in the I last was, couple of days? I was. I got in a good workout in today. And yesterday, I was in Indianapolis for about four or five days, and the hotel gym just didn't do it for me, so I was glad to be back. Some buys and tries, beach and all muscle the, stuff. All that other stuff. All the vanity muscles. Did you do anything to exercise your brain, Centauri? For the last five days of that retreat, I exercised my brain a, a, a ton. I'm, of course, giving Centauri a little bit of a hard time. This happens every time. But fundamentally, I think that, that, that we do a lot of exercise for our physical bodies, but not necessarily that much for for our, our, our brains. And we're talking about meditation today, and it's been proven that you can actually change the neuroplasticity of your brain through meditation, but we'll get into all that. Ross, thank you so much for having us at your awesome facility. Absolutely. Um, my pleasure. How'd you get into uh, the meditation business? Well, we took an interesting journey. Uh, there's actually three families that are involved in this concept, and each one of us has come from a space of personal health and wellness businesses that we're involved with, and it was a natural jump for us. It became a personal passion of a lot of the partners involved in this company, um, and the brand grew out of that. Our own interest in the meditation practice and mindfulness and what it can do for you individually and a natural extension of that for us was to figure out how we could bring it to more people. Got it. You thought that there was a need for it, you're passionate about it, all of the above? Absolutely. I mean, there's clearly there's a lot of signs in the market just from a business perspective of that this idea is ready and it's just a matter of who will figure out how to bring it to more people and make it understandable and approachable and from the very first day that we thought about, uh, is this something that had the potential uh, to become a brand and something we could share with other people? It was all about you know, what, what needs to be solved with this because clearly it's a powerful practice and the question was why aren't more people doing it in the U.S.? It's very popular in other countries just as part of their cultural fabric of you know the makeup of that society um, fits very well in Eastern culture and there's just something about the US and, and Western culture that it hasn't really found a place yet that it jives it's it's a little more niche and our whole goal is to figure out 
how do we bring it to the mainstream, but do it in a responsible way where the, the core of it is still maintained of the practice and what you're trying to accomplish. So, so currently, who are the, um, what would be kind of the, 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 the folks that are actually typically attracted to this? Like, what does your clientele look like? Well, the, in the very beginning of us opening, and I say very beginning, we've been open three months, but our, we've been racing so fast, our minds and, and the potential of everything that it feels like we've been open for a year. Hmm. Clearly, there's a, a low-hanging fruit of people that are, if you want to use the word enlightened, I'll just use it for shorthand, of hmm. those that are involved in the yoga world, anyone who has found meditation already or mindfulness. Um, there's a bunch of people from back when this was popular in the 70s and started to take off with, you know, the Beatles first starting to meditate. I mean, there are clearly strands of that that exist everywhere of people that are coming in saying that's how they found this practice. Um, so walking through our doors are a bunch of people who have already been meditating in some way, shape or form. Our biggest interest is how do we welcome those people in, but at the same time, very specifically, talk to the people that have never heard about this or don't know where to start. And that's what we're really after. Yeah, that's it's a good question, Centauri. And it's everybody, I think, should be interested in this. We live in such a such a busy culture and we're constantly receiving stimulus all day long, all day long. Uh, I did a little bit of research before we sat down today. And right now, the majority, or I'm sorry, the average American adult spends 10 hours a day in front of a screen. So that's a television or a, a, a laptop or your phone. Mm. And for kids, it's seven hours a day. Yeah. So we value productivity and busyness and and all, all, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I don't know that the people are necessarily taking breaks. Um, and it's certainly having an adverse impact on our lives through stress and things like that. So what is what is mindfulness? Well, mindfulness is in many ways the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. you, you just talked about essentially this age of distraction that we're in where the rise of everything is vying for your attention. I was talking to someone the other day about the fact that people just don't know how to be bored anymore. And That's the truth. And even as a kid, you know, it, it's a good skill to be comfortable with being bored. With nothing to do. Exactly. And constantly, you know, parents are trying to find something to distract their child <laughs> so that, you know, they can get that headache off their plates, which is unfortunate because it used to just be like, go out and play for five hours kind of thing. And there's something to that idea um, that you, you got to be able to be comfortable just with yourself and just sitting there, let's call it doing nothing. Mindfulness is really about, uh, if you want to get into the kind of the core of it is seeing the world for what it truly is. And that's born out of Buddhist Dharma and kind of the more traditional way to think about what mindfulness is. But if you, if you elaborate on that idea, a lot of the way it's talked about in Western culture to translate that is um, really an awareness and paying attention to every moment. Often you'll see it spoken about with non-judgment. So it all goes back to that idea of what what's truly, what is the world truly? 
you know, and just observing that and understanding that. Um, and that goes back to this concept of just being okay with being bored. It's like just observing the world around you. Um, and so mindfulness is kind of this more informal practice of doing that. And meditation is the formal practice of, of training yourself. It's more of the building the skill in your mind of concentration and being able to lay your concentration on something gently and, and just be aware of it. It takes that neuroplasticity, that training that you were mentioning before, to be able to do that. So the two are very similar ideas and they dovetail together. And that's how we like to think of it here is that formal practice of meditation versus the informal of mindfulness. And um, mindfulness has become, it's a little confusing for people mm -hmm. today because mind, first of all, you see that word everywhere. I mean, you see it on menus now, mindfully sourced ingredients and things like that. So starting to get How a funny. little bit overused, <laughs> wait, right? Wait, where do you see that? Oh, well, you'll see it on everything. What is just, What would that possibly mean? I'm not sure if it's maybe the animals on the farm were had a meditation practice or not. Huh. But um, I haven't spoken to any animals uh, but, uh, about this. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity. But uh, when I get a chance, <laughs> I'll let you know. Um, we'll circle back on that one. Right. That could be a whole another show. I've got a lot of Googling to do. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the, the thing about mindfulness today is that it's become, I think of it in the sense that there's lowercase m mindfulness of what I just uh, attempted to explain as simply as I could. And then there's uppercase m, which is this movement that's been going on, mm -hmm. which kind of encapsulates everything and you see on time magazine how they're talking about mindfulness and you know just all of this incorporating into menus and things like just this general concept of that there's a movement afoot that people are waking up to the fact that mental fitness is very important that maybe being bored is okay that you know the age of distraction and, and FOMO and all of these things that take you out of the moment wishing you were somewhere else or not paying attention to the fact that where you are right now is, first of all, all that exists for you. The present moment is the only thing that you truly have. Right. The future and the past mm -hmm. are just made up in your mind. They're stories that your brain creates to help you navigate the world. And life happens in the present moment. And there's so much of today that takes you out of that. People are realizing that they, they don't, I don't know that people know they can't put their finger on it, but they know something's missing. They, they haven't quite been able to solve it just by working out or just by you know, taking medications, unfortunately, mm. and, and things like that. Um, and so we really believe this this is a great answer to that. And, and certainly people, much smarter and wiser people before us have believed that. We're just here to try and figure out how do we get it to more people. Right. <clears throat> you said a word a second ago, and I'm... Never ashamed to say that I don't know what that means. What's what's FOMO? Oh, fear of missing out. Ah. Yeah, millennials love uh, their acronyms. <clears throat> Is that true, Centauri? Do you love that? I did know what FOMO. Okay, fair enough. I got, I got into or exposed to meditation at the beginning of 2015, and I found it just out of a desire to become more efficient, to have more energy. So I got on YouTube and just started researching and I found people like Howard Stern, Jerry Seinfeld, Oprah Winfrey, um, 
Ariana Huffington, all talking about meditation. And these are ultra high producing people. And so that's what said, okay, well, I'm, I'm interested in looking into this. So I don't need to be wearing Birkenstocks or wearing a tie-dye t-shirt or yoga pants or I don't need to bring incense in here to come and meditate or to come learn about it. Do you think that that, that made-up barrier in our minds, it's hippie stuff, stops people from, from, from looking into it? Absolutely. I, I mean, first of all, it's okay if you do all those things. And you absolutely sure. could come to current meditation uh, wearing Birkenstocks no doubt. as yeah. well. Um, uh, probably maybe not with socks at the same time. Okay. There's a line. That's, yeah, yeah that's there's it. a line. Um, <laughs> no, but there's, there's a few factors that have contributed to this. I think the perception is a huge factor of how it fits into people's daily lives, right? And so if you don't see the way that it's been presented in the past as congruent with how you live your life, then unfortunately you may just make this the, the generalization that, okay, that's probably not for me. It probably doesn't fit with my psyche and the way I think about things and how I go about my day. And that's, it's clearly not true. I mean, everyone has, we say this a lot now, but everyone has a mind. And so mindfulness is for everybody. Mm you're navigating this world, everyone has the same kinds of challenges, everyone's brains work very similarly. I, I don't think there's any other uh, subspecies of human out there that we're not aware of. And so we're, we're really doing the same thing for everybody. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. Um, and so that's probably a big piece, the perception. I know that a lot of people think that it's a religious practice when in reality, it's the interesting thing about Buddhism, and I, I am no expert on this, so I, I won't claim to be, but my understanding is that the ism, you know, that making it into an ism, Buddhism, was a Western mm. translation of what was happening. It's almost more of an instruction manual that was created of just kind of how to think about things. And then it became... Uh, more of an umbrella to some things that might be practiced more like a religion, but other things that are more just how to live your life. And the reality of the practice is that it's it's a pretty practical thing to do, um, just to kind of help you maintain yourself and your wellness in the world. Um, so those are those are two big things. There's a bunch of other things that we try to address that that stop people. Probably the biggest are, are those that weigh in people's minds. Right. But certainly, and, and that, that all very much makes sense. There are a ton of benefits to uh, a meditation practice, mindfulness practice. Um, there are direct evidence, there, there is direct evidence of a lot of health benefits, physiological benefits to meditating. Um, and that's stress reduction, reducing anxiety, decreasing physical pain, um, better sleeping, boosting creativity. Um, so I think that anybody that's that's experienced in any of those things, this is something that, that you could potentially look at. Absolutely. Um, and you know, the, the amazing thing about this is that just that it's such a simple practice. It's almost, it's just giving your brain the ability to reset and do something that it's it's built to do a completely different function, which is constantly trying to make sense of the world. 
And so it's always in go mode and it's always trying to create some narrative or story or how, how to categorize things around you and place meaning to it um, and interpret the, everything that's hitting your senses. And so it, we actively have to work at training your brain to do the opposite, to give it space and clear out, not your thoughts, not clearing your thoughts, but just to give you room so that you're not this constant ticker of information that your brain is working at overload speeds to try and process. And of course today is unlike any other age with the information age and just how much comes at us. Um, but it's certainly an interesting thing that now we finally have the tools to measure the effect that this has on your brain. In the past, they didn't have this. And so you, there was a sense that, of course, it's the right thing to do for yourself. It feels right for those who pursued the practice. But now we scientifically can actually measure and see the effect it has on your brain, the areas that light up that are different, um, and just differences in, in cortisol levels and the chemicals that are directly related to the way your entire physiology works, mm -hmm. your nervous system, um, all of these things, being able to measure it, have really been a renaissance for uh, this being the, the practice of the day, the mental fitness aspect of it rising as something in people's minds. And the fact that, you know, this, this really is a legitimate way to take care of yourself. It's not just sitting in a room trying to think about nothing. It's, it's a fitness uh, for yourself and so many people are concerned with the physical and their body your entire body operates based on the operating system that's in your brain mm. so so of uh, the folks that come to current meditation what are the some of the reasons they say that they have joined done a class or rather what are some of the benefits they're seeking it's been pretty phenomenal it's all over the board um, we have we have a bunch of individuals that work in stressful jobs mm. that's a big one um, I'm thinking of one of our regulars who works at an airline, and as you can imagine, that's a fairly high-stress job. He happens to uh, take all the customer complaints when someone's flight gets canceled. That would be the <laughs> worst <laughs> job I could imagine. Yes. Because I've so, been one of those customers, and that was not fun for that person. <laughs> exactly. So being on the other side <laughs> of that, you have to have some compassion, Centauri, for these people because, you know, they, they're humans too. Right. Um, but they can use mindfulness to, uh, to keep their uh, stress levels down. Um, that's a big one, job. But also, um, there are some individuals that it's just the hustle and bustle of everyday life mm. that they want to find a way to navigate that more clearly and do it in a way where technology is not the devil. Like, that's not going to go away. So you're always going to have your phone and you're going to have computers and you're going to have uh, things to deal with in everyday life that are, that's a part of today. And how do you work your way through that? It's a big thing. So a lot of um, parents are coming in just you know, to be a better parent or just to be a better mm. husband or wife. It's a big thing. Um, and then we have, you know, we have people that have gone through tough times, you know, who just need to find a way and, and prefer not to go a hardcore medical route to try and work their way through something. They, they prefer to, you know, work on how they think about the world and the way they interpret, you know, their stress in order to change their life for the better. That's been another group of people that have been coming in. So, From an anecdotal perspective, I can certainly share my, my personal experience 
with the changes that meditating on a daily basis has brought to me, I used to become frustrated in traffic, and now I don't care at all. I experience no road rage whatsoever. Um, I'm extremely more, I'm considerably more patient. I used to have a fog at around one o'clock, one or two in the afternoon, and I don't have that anymore at all. Um, and I found that just has made me a lot more personally resilient. There are a handful of big issues that I think that our country is facing right now, talking about depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, ADHD, and aging and memory loss, and to move from anecdotal to actual fact-based evidence. There are studies that point to meditating having a strong and measurable impact on each one of these areas. Um, I think that our society wants the magic pill to fix all of these things, but the magic pill is simply treating the symptoms and not actually addressing what could cure, which is our noodle. Just working on that a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it's funny how there's really no aspect of society that isn't touched by this concept, especially this concept of mindfulness, and every area could use this, right? There are deep issues that are happening, even with uh, just what's going on with, uh, you could name, for me, it's climate change, it's political environment. I mean, those are things that are interesting to me. And as you list all of these very deep issues that some of our very personal to people, clearly depression is something that is a tough issue to work for and work through. And how do you navigate those kinds of things? The, the really interesting thing to me is that this wide range of things could be addressed with the compassion and the thoughtfulness and the just the what comes out of a mindfulness practice is not just physio, physiological benefit. And um, to me, I, I'm so interested in the fact that an, an issue like environmentalism, you know, has to do with compassion to me. If you're not understanding the tragedy of the commons and the fact that your actions have effects on others, whether it's invisible or not, there's just, there's this common thread of things like that. That's also true in the political sphere. It's also true in these um, taking care of veterans and PTSD and just understanding the deep challenges that exist within these areas all of these things on an individual basis or on a broad basis in some way can be addressed with a practice like this. So we want to bring this to as many people as possible and keeping that mission simple we feel will end up having effects on fairly complicated issues if we do it right. So um, what are the baby steps into mindfulness? So if you're someone listening and you're seeing you know, I want to try this, but I want to kind of ease into it. What would be a good first step for folks? Well, I'd like to say a good first step would be coming to current meditation. Um, Go ahead and say it. I'll, I'll let that hang out <laughs> the, way, the way I left it. Um, it's clearly it's a journey, and you do start somewhere. We are just fanatical about the idea that you got to meet people where they are and depending on how much knowledge they have of the topic is how receptive they'll be to the idea and most people don't have a lot of knowledge so you got to start at a 
very basic level of just introducing them to the, the, the motions and methods of what it would be to meditate. And meditation's a good, a good start for it because it's a, it's a simple process of just focusing your attention. And there's three components to it. There's concentration, awareness, and intention. And the minute people walk through the door here, they have an intention, right? They, they have some reason why they've shown up. And basically, when you're in a class, you are focusing your concentration, your attention on something. Let's say it's your breath. And you do everything you can to be training your mind to build the skill, to build the muscle of your mind, to be focusing on that one thing. And your awareness, mindfulness, and how aware you are of what your mind is doing at that moment, that observation of that thought process, is, is your mindfulness, and that's what brings you back to that concentration. So it's a simple practice when you think about it. And you can go off and Google and do all sorts of research. You're going to find there are, there are so many definitions of what mindfulness is, so many definitions of what meditation is, so many definitions of how the two interplay together. But if you just break it down to its most basic thing, you just start with a, a simple practice of meditation. And your practice is what really will tell you everything you need to know about mindfulness. Because the proof is in your life. What you actually start to see happen is, like you were saying, George, like you get this space between stimulus and response where you suddenly can think a bit more about how you're going to react to something. And it's no longer this knee-jerk thing. And you have this ability to observe what you're doing almost as a third party, essentially proving that you are not your thoughts anymore, right? You are an observer of your thoughts. And your thoughts don't have to drive what you're doing every day. And that gives you really a sense of control and power over how you want to live. And so starting with mindfulness, I mean, it opens immediately opens up this broad spectrum of things that, um, that it affects in your life. But again, comes down to such a simple practice of, of just meditation, that formal practice. Um, so come to current meditation and got it. we can start you off. It, it's such a powerful thing that I can't control what's going to happen to me on a daily or minute, minutely. I just made up a new word, FOMO. Uh, T-I-L, that uh, you cannot control what's coming your way, but you do have the ability to control how you respond to it. Absolutely. And you can train your brain to do that better. Um, and I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. But one of my favorite quotes is, and I'm going to butcher it because it's one of my favorites, but the majority of a person's problems are caused by their inability to sit quietly in a room by themselves. Mm. And if somebody's listening to this to say, well, I, I could never meditate. My mind is, is racing. It's a mile. I've got so many thoughts coming in and out. Um, and I would say that anybody can meditate, and if your mind is doing that, then you probably need to meditate maybe more than anybody does to train your brain to slow down a little bit. Right, and you know, the, there's no wrong way to meditate. That's the other thing that really should be reinforced. And it doesn't matter if you, you come to current meditation, it doesn't matter if you use an app at home or you're just trying it by yourself. The minute that you set that intention, that you want to, to meditate and you go about trying it, you've already succeeded. 
if you're noticing that your mind is wandering and you're saying to yourself, I can't do this because I'm super distracted, you've already noticed that you're distracted. That's literally the definition of mindfulness is just mm -hmm. to be aware of that and mm -hmm. be aware of your thoughts. You're already on the path. You've already succeeded. And uh, we actually have a, a Rubik's Cube here that's a metaphor for that. I, this is my favorite little thing to figure out how to make more of these, but it's an all-white Rubik's Cube. Mm. It's already solved. The, the problem is already solved. You've already reached the solution. There's, no, there's nothing else to do except to just keep going. And the more you keep doing it, the better off you'll be. And so I would just reinforce anyone can do it. I, I definitely agree with that point. And should do it. And it's very possible that people are already engaging in some kind of a meditative thing. Chopping wood is very meditative in nature because you are focusing on one thing, and if you are not, you are liable to uh, to, to hurt yourself. Right. Uh, cooking can be meditative. Certainly prayer is 100% meditative. Just focusing single-mindedly on one thing is in itself meditative. Gardening is very, very, very meditative. So when you're done doing that, you're probably, you probably feel pretty good. Right, right. There's meditative activities, right? And it depends on how you do the activity. If, if you're gardening, but you're thinking about everything else except gardening, not very meditative, not, not a good mindfulness practice. But if you're gardening and you're paying attention to the feel of the petals of the flower or the, the sunshine that's hitting you and the feel of the soil and, um, you know, any dew that's on the plant, just that really being in the moment, it absolutely can be a meditative activity. Um, and so that's more of the, that's more of that mindful, that informal bringing it to the rest of your life. And we don't exist for the magic to just happen within the four walls of current meditation. Our whole mission is that this is carried with you out into everyday life. And that's what makes this a huge success for someone is if they start to recognize in the activities they do every day. It doesn't matter if you're brushing your teeth, you could be, uh, you know, you could be taking out the garbage. It doesn't, it just, anything could be a mindful moment for you. And that's you living in the moment. That's living presently and just appreciating every single moment for what it is, which is where life happens. You said something very interesting earlier, which is just um, the idea of go be bored. What would that look like for an adult that's so used to being in front of a TV, a laptop, doing something all the time? Like, how does, how do I be bored? What should I do? You know, it could be anything. It could be anything. I think it's, it's sometimes it's just not having a plan. You know, and just letting, letting the day evolve, however you, however it unfolds, and huh. being cool with that too. You know. I mean, if you get, I mean, you don't want to be stuck in traffic. If you're stuck in traffic, you're stuck in traffic. But maybe you're at a park and you're just, you have nowhere else to go that day and you're right. just hanging. And this probably be a weekend for people that are working. Uh, probably don't want to just walk off your job and go to a park. <laughs> but that's, th there's a certain element of you want to build a comfort level of being okay doing that and not always feeling that everything has to be scripted or planned or that you have to find the next distraction and um, looks different for everybody. You know, what's their version of being bored? Mm -hmm. well, it's important. I think that going out into nature could be a, a certainly a, a wonderful way to do that. You need to leave your phone at, at home or, or, or in the car or whatever. 
yeah, there's something beautiful about nature that immediately, I mean, it's, I think it's just in the fabric of our DNA as, you know, we're, we are animals and we like to think we're not, but just being out in nature immediately takes you back into that present space. And there's a, there's something I had read about, I think it's called like forest soaking. I could totally be making up the wrong word, but it's just literally the practice of going out into the forest and doing nothing and just taking it in. I had read about that at one point. I was like, that's a really neat idea. Um, but it's it's all meditative. It's all about mindfulness and just living in that moment and just mm-hmm. soaking it in. Paying attention. So circling back to the health benefits, if you are somebody that has been affected in, in some way by anxiety, by depression, if you have a loved one or you're suffering from post-traumatic stress, um, ADHD, any of those things, and odds are somebody that you know or somebody in your family or you um, has been affected by that, I would encourage you to go online and do your own research into how meditation can impact it because there is scientific proof that says it will help to reduce the symptoms, maybe even get you off the medication. Um, And so for my money, that reason alone is worth exploring meditation. Um, from the perspective of, of a, a business person, somebody who is working on efficiency, I had a bit of a, a, a aha moment a couple of months ago when I was thinking about meditation and efficiency. Our minds wander, it's been documented, about 46% of the time. So if I'm spending money on efficiency training or coaching and trying to figure out where can I find more hours in the day, well, what if there was a way for me to train my brain so it wasn't wandering half the time? I mean, think about that. If I'm working an eight-hour day, my mind is wandering 50% of the time, I only have four hours. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's extraordinary. It's like, God, it's not enough hours in the day to get stuff done. Well, you're not even using right. half the available time. And I think that this, again, for me, it's such a great advertisement for meditation is training your brain to focus on the task at hand and making you and your time considerably more efficient. Absolutely. I think the other thing is there's this concept of that if you meditate and you're this highly productive person that you might lose your edge, Mm. you know, because you become super mellow. Um, But there's a, a certain clarity that you start to get, like you're saying with your mind not wandering as much, or just maybe that you have a, a greater ability to focus in those times that you would like to focus and you start to better understand how to use this tool which is your mind to be productive that you don't end up losing your edge you really you're kind of slowing down to slowing down to speed up and that by allowing this a bit more harmony in how you're using that you're not overclocking your mind all the time it actually frees you up Um, to be more creative, be more productive. You're not um, pushing on a rope. I mean, you probably have that experience where by the end of a certain workday, you're just fried. And the mind doesn't work like that where it can just go full tilt like a machine constantly. the, The body works on cycles. There's the circadian rhythms. There's rhythms that have to do with how your brain processes information. And it does it more kind of in sprints. The most interesting thing to me about 
the science behind this is the intersection of all these different disciplines. We talked about neuroplasticity, but there's also positive psychology. There's the understanding that your mind wandering, they've correlated that now with unhappiness. Mm. And in those moments of your mind wandering, you are less happy than uh, in, a, in a moment when you are in what they call a state of flow, which is a positive psychology concept of just being in that moment dedicated to that task at hand. And I imagine you've probably felt this before where you just kind of forget everything around you. You don't hear the phone ringing. You forget, maybe you don't even remember that you're hungry and you forget to eat. You're just working on something that is challenging to you, but that you're also good at. And your mind just gets into this amazing groove. That's called flow. It's a positive psychology uh, concept. And it all relates to the way that your mind works. And this idea of wandering being something that is actually not very productive. This concept of multitasking and people claiming that they're amazing at multitasking is, you think you're good at multitasking, but the brain does not work optimally like that. Total fiction. Absolutely. And so monotasking, I mean, that's become the, the, the craze so of funny. the day, you know, just focusing on what you're doing and that focus, <laughs> not wandering. I mean, it's funny to even have to say it, like, that the best way to do something is to just focus on that one thing. It's, it's quite a simple concept, but it all has to do with the way that your mind really works optimally. And that productivity and all that absolutely grows out of building that, that mental muscle to just stay on a task at hand, you know, just, just be in that moment. And, um, it's real. There's real science behind that. It is real. And, and it's, it's something you can get better at. I think that's the most exciting thing about this. Um, if you're thinking about, well, that I, I would like to become more efficient. I would like to become more focused. Well, you can absolutely do that. Absolutely. Is it that we only use 10% of our brains and we disregard the other 90? It's something like that, 20%? Well, 20%. I'm no neuroscientist, but I've heard <laughs> that that has been disproved, that the entirety of your brain matter is engaged in some way um, and that, you know, it's, it's all being used. It's not like you have a big void in there that's, you know, just spongy tissue. Thinking that, about pizza all day. Exactly. Well, maybe, you know, that would be useful um, depending on... <laughs> Your, your proclivities or, or <laughs> profession. But um, I think people can absolutely learn how to use their mind more effectively. And the concept of mind and, you know, there's so many different schools of thought on what makes you, you and being and what is the definition of being a human being and all that. I don't want to get into all that because I'll probably get tongue-tied just even trying to explain any of those concepts. But the fascinating thing to me is your brain really is a tool. You can learn how to use it better. It's like your body as well. So you you are controlling your body, but you also can control your thought process or how, how that process reacts to the world. And that's a distinction that I think people don't make, that it's absolutely a skill that you can build. And it's funny because the word happiness, the root of that comes from, you know, that that first part of the word is hap, which is more like um, unplanned or, or lucky or, you know, that it, mm. it's like happiness is just, you know, mm. a random thing that happens to you. Um, 
by happenstance. Like all these words are about it not being a deliberate thing, but you can train yourself and actually build the skill of being happy. It has to do with how you interpret the world around you, like mm -hmm. you were saying. In traffic, you don't have to be upset by traffic. You have control over that um, and how you respond to it. And so there's, there's so much to building this skill that it becomes an entirely new frontier for people to focus on. Mm -hmm. You know, not just your physical body, but also your mind and how, how you work on that. I think that the way you look at something makes all the difference in the world. The lens Absolutely. that you're viewing the world, we're all looking at the same stuff, but somehow some people are on one side of it and some people are on the, on the other side of it. And that is a, a skill that you can certainly learn. Um, but having a sense of where you are and keeping that perspective. And it changes by the minute, but just being aware of it. Um, controlling how your 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 brain responds to it, and um, choosing to be happy, um, or choosing to have a happy response to it. So, so current meditation has a, kind of a unique approach from what I can understand about how you do things here. Maybe tell the listeners about what you do, especially the aerial piece. Sure. So we're a modern meditation studio, and, mm -hmm. and what we've now put some thought as to what that actually means. We're presenting the practice of meditation in a way that's a bit unexpected. Because behind our presentation of it is that there's no wrong way to meditate. And in fact, the most important thing that people can do is just start, start the practice, start meditating somehow. So we want to make it as easy as possible when you walk through the front door of current meditation. And we have a, a, a class format that we've set up that we believe is a great way for someone to get started and to be consistent with the practice. Each class is set up with a structure that is consistent. So a portion of the class has a, a guided verbal meditation with an instructor who's in the room, in person, in flesh and bone, guiding you through that. It's not like an app where you're not actually interacting with people. And we have these skilled instructors who take you through that and then the next part of the meditation actually incorporates sound. So there's a, a therapeutic benefit to focusing on sounds and there's a lot behind that in terms of the uh, mechanical energy and the vibrations that come out of the sounds that are produced. These instruments that we use here are crystal bowls and gong. And so usually you associate that with kind of the more woo-woo but sound has science behind it as to how your brain reacts to it and processes it and so with that being a part of each class it really helps the, your mind to more easily focus and that's very much part of the philosophy that we want and so every class we offer has this format this standard format and the, the verbal portion of it changes each time. Our guides are very skilled. They have the opportunity to integrate meditations about imagery or intention or a, just a simple breath meditation, a body scan, something that really grounds you and gets you um, focused on the present moment and, and really trains your mind to be focusing on what's happening here and now. And each class is unique in that the position that you can set yourself up in is varied. You can be lying down on the ground, you can be seated, you can be standing if you wanted, um, but we also have aerial meditation and these are silks that hang from these 
awesome giant wooden beams in the studio and uh, you climb into this thing it's like a hammock and the fabric essentially the pressure of it, it kind of hugs you so there's a, a bit of a thing that goes on with your central nervous system where you feel cocooned in there and there's a, a security to it um, also very comfortable and that helps a lot of people drop in to their meditation more easily um, some people have actually come to us and said that they had a lot of trouble dropping into a meditation or just sitting there meditating. Mm. But the minute they got into the silk, it removed that one barrier for mm -hmm. them that allowed them to start. And we totally expect that some people will have that experience and they'll want to jump between the formats or they might find themselves gravitating towards over time that they were using the silk, the aerial silks, and suddenly they want to lie down or then they want to sit. And there's a more traditional way to meditate, which is often sitting. But we really feel strongly that if we're going to attract as many people as possible to the practice, we've got to make their entry into the practice as as smooth as possible and meet them where they are. So that's that's really those main things about us. And so we're about education here. We're about kind of the simplicity of starting your practice. We want people to feel very comfortable when they walk through the doors. It doesn't matter what their background is, what their, why they want to meditate, why they're here. You know, we're here to make it easy and approachable. Excellent. How long are the classes? How often are they offered? We've got 25 and 45 minute classes. We have at least 40 classes every week, so we have a lot, a lot of options to choose from. Um, we've put a lot of careful thought into when we've put those classes on the schedule to make them easy to get in and out. Uh, we love the idea of the 25-minute classes, and a lot of our, uh, a lot of the feedback we get is exactly that. This is great. I'm not coming in here. I'm, it's not like a workout. I'm not sweating, so I can pop in for a 25-minute meditation, go right back to work. Mm -hmm. It's not a two-hour ordeal where I go work out, then I have to shower, then I got to change, then I got to get back to work. Um, you can fit this in right before dinner. You can fit it in in the morning. You can fit it in at lunchtime if you're in the middle of a work day. Um, so we've got we've got plenty of options for people. What would be the first? I think you may have already asked this, Centauri, but do I start with the 25-minute one? Is the, yeah, you, that's something that um, that's a near and dear question to our heart because there's um, the 25-minute class is a complete class, right? And so is the 45. And some people will look at the schedule and say, well, clearly I got to do the 45 because I'm going to get more out of that when I first start. Um, our feeling is that the 25 is actually the best place to start because meditation is not, the effectiveness of it is not directly correlated with the time you've spent in a particular session. It's your consistency, really. That's the, that, that's the number one thing is how consistent you are with it. Um, so absolutely, I'd recommend a 25-minute class for someone coming in. What do I wear? We can wear whatever you want, pretty much, which is the great part. Um, there's no specific uniform that's required when you walk in here. Um, the one thing that we say is don't wear anything sharp, nothing bedazzled or anything like that, because the silks are... You don't want it to rip. Yeah, that and also... You can borrow some of my clothes entirely. Right, Thank you. Right, there you go. So, but yeah, just because the silks, they're made of this special fabric that is... Uh, little sensitive to uh, sharp objects, if you will. Other than that... So just comfortable clothes. Yeah, comfortable, nice. comfortable Gym clothes, be ready whatever. to take your shoes off. Maybe don't put on the giant leather boots that go up to your knee and 
have six different straps on there. But other than that, pretty basic. Okay, excellent. And where can we find you? We are at uh, Indian School and 44th Street. So we're in the brand new shopping center and uh, just opened a few months ago. And uh, how's business been? Has it been pretty busy? Oh, it's been great. We've had a lot of people come through here. We've had phenomenal response. You know, we, we've been in, involved in other things, so we just didn't know what to expect when we opened our doors. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were cautiously optimistic and believed we were heading in the right direction, but it wasn't until we had people streaming through and just the, the feedback we've gotten has been phenomenal from people um, about how much they're enjoying it, but also the effect that it's had on people's lives. Um, it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. As our time is drawing to a close, what else would you like to share, have people think about? I'd just say get involved in this mindfulness craziness any way you can, because it's it's really not crazy. It's This is the way of the world now, and we've got a lot weighing on our minds, you know, a lot of distraction, a lot of things that are coming at us, and we're going to have to learn how to deal with that somehow. You know, it's not slowing down. We're not going to have technology disappear tomorrow. Um, we, we're all looking for something, some way to address uh, and, and bring some sense of harmony to our lives. It doesn't matter what kind of life you lead. And this is a great way to do it, whether or not it's with us. However you can find a way to integrate this into your life, I guarantee you, you'll be that much better for it. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't echo that enough. I can't encourage people enough to give it a try. Come down here, take one of the 25-minute classes, um, give it a try. I think that you will definitely benefit from it. Um, it's Current Meditation. The website is BeCurrent, B-E-C-U-R-R-E-N-T.com. So check that out. Centauri, what have we forgot to talk about, sir? Answered all my questions. Don't wear boots. Don't wear anything bedazzled. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Got it. And also, your first class is free when you come down. So Sweet. If we didn't make it easy enough. Hopefully, that brings you over the edge. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Russ, thank you very much for your time <clears throat> and you. insight. And best of luck to you. I know that I will be down here checking out the class. Um, it, and it is an absolutely beautiful facility. Um, we got a tour right when we got here. Um, so... Come check it out just just to check the place out, if if nothing else. As always, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and tell a friend. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.